This is the Mentors for Military podcast. Hey guys, this is Robert Gowan and I'm joined this week by Scott Johnson and Eric Martin. And we've got a really good show uh, planned for you. But before we do that, we've got to do our favorite part of the show, which is really give a shout out to those individuals that are supporting us as patrons of the show. So we have some new patrons, Kevin Holmes and Kara Riley. And we really appreciate those individuals becoming patrons of the show and showing your support. Um, There's all kinds of different ways that you can do that, obviously. But uh, through our new Patreon site, Uh, which we kicked off, I think it was about three weeks ago or so, is one of the great ways that you can do that. And uh, if you appreciate the content of the show, you enjoy what we're doing out there on social media, uh, then you can show uh, your support of the show by going to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash mentors, the number four M-I-L. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. So we're going to kick this show off, and this kind of coincides or goes along with what you shared with us, Eric, on recent posts on Instagram and in our LinkedIn page. And, of course, you also had it, um, Eric, in your own personal LinkedIn page as well and your own Instagram page. But it was around uh, a little bit of some of the the challenges that you had upon returning from combat situation with uh, survivor's guilt, uh, a little bit of post-traumatic stress. And I think it really touched a nerve with a lot of the folks that were paying attention to those posts and in different ways, uh, obviously. And so uh, I think this would be a great opportunity for us to spend a little bit more time around that because some people say, I don't have post-traumatic stress, yet they say, um, I, I have more of survivor's guilt. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's like one of those tough subjects of being like between a rock and a hard place, especially coming from not only a combat arms standpoint, but definitely through a special operations standpoint. Cause I can remember when PTSD first came out, it was kind of like this thing. It was almost like it was a plague for people. And to some degree, people were utilizing it to get out of the military. And then for others, it was, they finally, we're realizing like what was going on from some of the things that have happened. And for me, I think it took a bit of breaking free of like the denial that I was sitting in for years because I guess I just didn't really know how to coin it. And I thought that, you know, what I was dealing with was the norm from all the deployments that I had faced. And so I think things finally came to a head in about 2013 and and honestly, probably more so in 2016 for me to really realize like how bad things were for me internally and to finally find some ways and avenues to seek some true help and constructive means of getting through it. So what was it that actually triggered that for you? I mean, you know, a lot of folks, um, it, it could be, you know, losing a companion or uh, a teammate over there in, the, in a combat situation. But for others, it could be some other type of, of trigger that brought on some of the remorse or some of the, um, the challenges they may be dealing with back here. And this relates, obviously, to having signs of depression, challenges, maybe that even struggle with anger management, uh, the, the challenges of just assimilating back into the private sector and they may go unnoticed in some ways, right? Oh, most definitely, Robert. And 
I think for me, there was a combination of things. I, I had some major breakdowns in my family relationships. I was having some breakdowns with regards to my work relationships. And then to total it all off, I mean, I had a had a pretty good guy um, commit suicide right before a trip to Iraq that really... It shook me, but at the same time, because I had just lost my brother-in-law at that point in time, like the week prior to him doing that and having helped deal with my ex-wife and his family for his cancer bout. I mean, it just, it was so much to try to even figure out that you basically just kind of shove it down inside for, I mean, lack of better words. And we just kept trudging on and I just kept trudging on and internally I mean I don't think I was aware enough or self-aware enough and emotionally intelligent enough to realize and recognize how bad things were really going and then again I I thought that this was just normal and part of you know the job yeah I find that in some cases people who are trying to deal with depression or like you were saying just trying to survive or go through the motions of the day but people around them start noticing that more than what they they think you know I mean people start recognizing that you're kind of just a shell of yourself and that there must be something deeper there but they don't want to maybe approach you about it and ask you or pry or whatever the case may be because then you might become angry and you may push back and say there's nothing wrong why do you keep asking me these questions and so on and so forth until like you said maybe some other experience comes around and it just starts feeling like everything is falling apart and unraveling almost definitely and i think one of the biggest contributors was i didn't know how to communicate it i i honestly had no idea i was pretty young going through all these things because i mean i went over a dozen deployments i hardly spent any time in america up until 2013 when i finally kind of took a knee and you know got into the uh, cadet command realm of things and teaching cadets and it it was really it really started to catch up to me i realized how tired i was with regards to all the things that were going on internally and externally. And then it just like started catching up to me. I mean, the, the nightmares, all the, the, dis, the struggles and almost like dysfunction that I was having. I didn't know how to phrase into words to people. And I, you know, you still want to have that, you know, external shell of like, you know, I'm, I'm tough enough and I can handle this. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, turn people away from you as well either, but it just was like a constant, like everyday battle. And I had no idea and I didn't really have any good outlets to it. So I ended up unfortunately turning to alcohol abuse and just self deprivation. And I thought, and I started the negative self-talk of, well, I deserve this because I've been a horrible person. I don't know what I'm doing. And it just, I, I see from an outside per- perspective now, having gone through it, having, you know, made the progress and processes that I have to be able to realize that it's almost like a Stockholm syndrome for yourself. You, you become like, I- I've earned this, I deserve this sort of mentality when in fact you don't, but that's just the nature of the beast. If you let your pathways in your mind go that route. I think op tempo is, is, 
a major contributing factor to mental health problems in the military because you've you've got this role that's critical and you can't afford to focus on anything else. And the up tempo these days is so high. You're going from deployment to deployment to deploy deployment with training, um, pre-deployment training in between. You don't have time to process any of the inputs that are coming towards you. And like you said, Eric, you, you shove them deep down inside and um, park them away. And, you know, you, you combine combine that factor with the uh, stigma in the military of talking about mental health problems, the uh, unwillingness to communicate with what a lot of people see as a, a weakness, and that's personal view as a weakness, not everybody else's view as a weakness. You know, we all consider ourselves... I'm 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 man enough to take it and I can take one more thing and you just keep building it up and building it up and you don't have the time to process it and for some people it comes to a point and you snap and you get a breakdown for other people you get out and then you get the process time and then people start to struggle and they're out then there isn't the assistance as easily as in the military and you know people often put that down to I think transition and that being the main stressor, uh, stressor, but I don't think it is a lot of the time. I think it's just a culmination of all those problems, and all of a sudden you've just stopped running. You know, when you're in the military, and you've got time to process everything, and it becomes too much, and then you have your breakdown. But it's at the point where you've got out in another major transition, a major step change, if you like, within your life. Uh, and people put that down then to the transition process as opposed to the the culmination of different events over a, a prolonged period. Most definitely. And I think the thing that was tough for me is just being able to find vernacular to portray and display what was actually going on inside my head and in, and honestly inside my body because on top of that I was also dealing with all these different physical ailments I had I had two torn labrums I had a, an ankle that was basically shattered and I had already gone through an ACL replacement so I've kind of turned into a, a miniature T1000 uh, since that point in time to a degree but it was all these things that I just didn't know how to deal with. And then on, then when I went to, I had seen a couple of therapists to try to kind of search for solutions. And instead of really getting solutions, it was pain meds being pushed at me and, or like a sense of, you know, them be condoning my actions in more of a way of like, well, you, you kind of, you know, are okay to do this or that. And, and I wasn't, and I knew it, but I just didn't know how to like say it. And then honestly, and I, I it's so crazy to think in hindsight and all of this, but I, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do whatever I want. And I told God, basically, I, I challenge you to, you know, knock me down because apparently I can't die or anything like that. And you almost have like this crazy, like invincible feeling after a while, because I felt like I was unlovable. I felt like nobody really knew how to deal with me. And then I, on top of that, you, you just kind of go down this like dark alleyway in your mind. And I can see how some guys really go down that rabbit hole and why, and thankfully, I hit rock bottom and below rock bottom enough that I was like, holy cow, I've got to fix this. This isn't, 
And I, I don't know why it took so long for me to do that because I'm pretty sure that there were plenty of times that I was given an opportunity to realize that, you know, hey, this isn't okay, Eric, it's time to wake up sort of uh, feeling. And so that's why I think coming from it now, I have a better understanding for guys and gals that do go down that pathway, not even just military wise, but in, in general, because I mean, there's all sorts of forms of PTSD, whether it be like postpartum from a pregnancy to, you know, you, you had an issue with, you know, getting on an elevator. It, it, it all depends on like what a person's psyche is wrapped around on at that point in time in their life. And then, you know, how they're handling it. You know, the uh, the people who are separating that come out of the, the soft community, especially that are going into contract jobs because they think that's the only thing that they can do. They're very, you know, they, they come from a, an environment where maybe they're, you know, a weapons sergeant or whatever the case, and they feel like, okay, this is what I've been doing. I've been hard charging. These guys are throwing a boatload of money at me, and I can go out here and continue doing at least something I know, and I can't figure out what it is I'm supposed to do in the private sector. But by taking those contract positions, they continue the process of maybe reliving or the, the challenges that they were experiencing while on active duty. It doesn't go away. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. Is basically just continuing to put it aside and put it aside and not deal with those emotional that emotional baggage. And so in turn, it just continues to be like, okay, I, I'm just going to do the same thing. And essentially, it is to a degree like insanity or the definition of insanity to a to a small part of like you know you you do what you always did you're going to get what you always got and the same thing goes with like a career choice if if really the you know sf realm for an individual is like the only thing that they identify with then more often than not yeah you look at those contract jobs and not that there's anything wrong with that but i mean you know and you're not really dealing well with it despite the fact then i mean you're just going to continue to build those walls or barriers into your own life and to those around you and those the people that are around you end up suffering just as much because you know some people for the most part uh kind of just block out the people that are trying to help them through this manner and through these actions and they don't realize it but you sit there and you almost feel sorry for yourself at times because you're like, oh, you know, nobody loves me like I was at that point in time in my life. But it really was I didn't love me. So why should anybody else? Yeah, I think you, you touched on a, a great point earlier, Eric, what you were talking about then, about basically, I think it's, it's we've got to mention this for ease of people speaking up about mental health problems and when they're struggling that trauma is 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 subjective to each person and whilst you know people in the soft community um, and the sf world and the military even are exposed to trauma that people would perceive to be worse than others other people um whether it be military soft civilian population can go through trauma that to them is really really bad but there isn't this scale from one to ten of something being mildly traumatic right up to the most horrendous thing that you can see and i think for people to think that there is a scale and for them to think oh what's happened to me isn't as bad as what happens to somebody else it's that subjectiveness of 
how you feel about what's happened to you is the important thing and sets off this this train journey in your mind you know and i think for people if you feel something has affected you it doesn't matter how you think that relates to other people it's important that if you think that it's affected you as an individual that you need to speak to somebody and air that because otherwise it'll just eat away you inside and it might be something as you know what triggered me on it to, to, to the point was you saying somebody going into an elevator if if that's traumatic to you that you're that afraid to get in an elevator but for some reason you've had to do it whatever getting stuck in an elevator let's say and it's really freaked you out and you're struggling with that and you can't sleep at night you can't go into confined spaces that's traumatic to you as an individual and you need to to get to grips with that and you know get some help for it or it could be something you know within the military the soft community um a particularly bad firefight and you know friends dying that's traumatic to you as an individual while some people will deal with that fairly well others will fall apart at it and it doesn't matter what the event is it's how it makes you feel is the important part and for anybody listening if, if you've you're having a problem with anything whatever it may be and it's causing you sleepless nights you know you can't hold your attention at something you need to go and speak to somebody it doesn't matter who it is you know just get the ball rolling and speak to somebody and then you can get eventually get on to speaking to the right person to get help but you've got to take that first step and actually speak out and speak to somebody yeah that is exactly what needed to happen and what started to happen for me once i finally made that turnaround back in about mid uh, 2016 because what it was is i finally was able to reach out to a therapist and ironically and oddly enough it was a it was a you an air force therapist which you know wouldn't you wouldn't think that he would have been as equipped because not that you know air force people don't experience that but i don't know that that many especially where i was i don't think that that many air force personnel were subjected to the types of things i was as an operator and so I, it was just awesome the way that he cared about it and i mean from the get-go he, he he was like hey i'm not planning on giving you meds he's like we're going to do cognitive brain therapy which is cbt is what it's more commonly known and i i was like this is exactly what i want i mean i i, I basically needed a slap in the face with this and a kick in the rear and he was and he he was straight up for, with me he goes this is probably going to get harder before it gets easier but he's like i guarantee you if you're willing to stick it out this will make a world of difference and it, and it certainly did and it was tough because i mean i had to write about the things that i had experienced and why they were so traumatic i mean i i i had to recollect like an incident in OIF five where I had basically saved an Iraqi police officer who was being abused, detained and tortured by his own Iraqi policeman in an area in uh, Iraq called Baladruz. And I mean, I'm 26 years old and I've got a guy basically groveling at my feet, praising me for saving him. And I'm sitting there thinking I can't even like save myself internally at that point in time because nobody knew the, the personal hell I had going on with my family life. But, you know, I basically had to shove that aside and, you know, take care of this guy. And there were times that it just was like, man, how like in re retrospect. And I, we talked to Kat, you know, when, uh, I've, I've had conversations with her, uh, Kat Kalen, that is, and 
she was like, holy heck, how did you like deal with all this and not really talk to anybody and tell anybody until that point? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, fortunately, I guess I'm (laughs) mentally strong enough, but there's no cookie cutter answer to these things. And then on top of that, it doesn't make me entitled to behave a certain way. And I think that that's where people kind of mistake that the whole PTSD thing doesn't give you an entitlement to just either a wallow in your, you know, own personal pity or be like, you know, wear it like a badge either. It's just, it's a thing and we're all people. And it's, it was for me just a matter of being able to work through it. And then I think one of my biggest goals, and it's, it's been a pretty healthy avenue for me is to be able to help others that have it as best as I possibly can. By no means am I a professional or claim to be one. And I, I, there's been a few people that have reached out to me that I'm like, Hey, I really can't, you know, answer those questions for you because I don't have the profession and I, and I don't have the background completely, but I'll, I'll be a listening ear. I think the the benefit that you probably probably provide that you may not recognize is that in some cases they're not looking for you to solve their problem. They just want to know um, that you were somebody that was on one side and came out the other side. And do you really feel like it was worth the wow of what you did and what kind of um, you know what? what kind of coaching or counseling or whatever that you went through and how did it help you? And I think this may go back to what Tom Satterley said within his podcast that we did a few weeks back is that even in a firefight situation, everybody sees things differently. And I think in the same case, what we're talking about here, and we've talked about both the private sector and people who may deal with it from a life, military sexual trauma, sexual trauma, um, law enforcement, whatever the case may be, as well as those within the military community are all going to deal with these different types of depression or um, challenges, <clears throat> post-traumatic stress and everything very differently. And I love what you said there, Scott, about, you know, don't try to put it on a scale. Don't even try to do it for yourself on a scale, but certainly don't be a person that's looking and saying, I don't know why Eric is feeling this way because I was there as well. And I don't have an issue. And that's part of the, the thing that I think we do maybe in human nature that we need to stop doing because then we're trying to always scale everything and try to measure whether something's worse or not. Yeah, you, you, you can't fix the problem yourself. You know, the problem is within you and you can't fix fix it yourself. You've got to get an external influence, eventually professional. But we there's, there's a lot of suicides going on in the UK at the minute amongst the veteran community. And... Part of that is because of the military and you guys, you know, are on a, a bigger scale to us population wise and military wise and the same veteran suicide rate wise. But we're all in the same boat. You've got this perception in the military that you have to be strong and you have to man up and get on with it. But like I said earlier, whatever's bothering you is the issue. If it's bothering you, you need to deal with that. You can't just wrap it away. And, you know, and I'm not saying by any means uh, I've stubbed my toe and, you know, it really affects me. I can't walk through doors. And, yeah, you got to man up on that one a bit. But if you've been through something that's traumatic and it's it's keeping you awake at night, then you can't concentrate. Your, your mood swings and the classic indicators of uh, stresses and post-traumatic stress or whatever the stress type may be, you, you need to speak to somebody about it. And there's a great saying in the UK that, that's going around a couple of the, the different groups now that it's okay to not be okay. 
and for people to acknowledge that and and say well actually i'm not a hundred percent right i'm not like i used to be i need to speak to somebody and try and figure out what's going on here and like eric said it, it could be reaching out to someone like eric or, or any of us here on mentors for military you know and we, we're all on social media and any of us will take a direct message and, and that's not a problem but we won't be the ones to fix it for you but if you're comfortable taking the first step with anybody take that first step with that person and then you've you've done the hardest part and then you can get the ball rolling from that point forward and get signposted to the right person who can then put you onto the right program whether it be cbt um the 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 rapid eye movement whatever it may be you know i'm certainly not a professional when it comes to that stuff but i know for a fact that you've got to take the first step and admit it to yourself and get it out there to somebody else because you can't fix it yourself society measures normal Right. I mean, when you think about it, they're the ones that determine whether or not a person is normal or not. And the, the fact of the matter is, is that that seems to evolve as well. And it changes depending upon maybe the individual, how much flexibility they're willing to lend and, and those types of things. But, um, you, you know, you'll know whether or not that you were yourself at some period or things are much different. I mean, it, it becomes very obvious. And as much as you're trying to hide it or you're trying to state that everything's OK, what you're stating is it's okay to say it's not okay and to, and to find out from somebody else if they experience some of the same things and like you know asking the questions like they are of you Eric is is they're probably trying to probe to see are they normal or are they you know did you experience some of the same things or you know those types of things to get that gauge it goes back to that scale and that gauge of how they're trying to put themselves on there is it a two or an eight how severe is it when I when I hear Eric's score a uh, story it may sound like an eight and I sound like a two maybe I don't need to get help yeah, yeah you're absolutely right this whole scale it, it, it for lack of better words it's probably a sliding scale first off and secondly it's it's funny that you guys bring that up because I think the the biggest thing that we forget to realize is that like each experience is our own and and we've discussed it here that it's okay to not be okay the thing that's not okay is to just stay in that like state of mind that you are somehow just damaged and broken. And I think that that was like the biggest factor of me for, for myself anyways, was changing my mindset and changing the way that I thought about myself. Do I still struggle here and there with regards to, you know, what I did in my past and like, you know, where I came from? Absolutely. But do I sit there and let it like linger over my head all the time? Heck no. And I think one of the other things that has helped me too, and because I get asked this a lot is how do I deal with, you know, person X or my spouse has, has shown me that they have issues with, you know, nightmare and trauma from, you know, firefights to, you know, drunk driving and, or, or, or like incidents from like DUIs, stuff like that. And I think the most effective thing and Scott and Robert have both hit on it is be a good listener. Do not compare your story. It's okay to compare scars in a, fashion of, Hey, I, I understand where you're coming from, but the best help to somebody that is in that type of a situation is to provide them just an ear and let them know that you understand and show some compassion. And Robert, you said it exactly too, with regards to, you know, 
they aren't looking for an answer. They're not looking for a remedy necessarily every time. And you can't provide it, but you can guide them to the right places that they can get that. Yeah, there's tons of places that are out there to help. But I think, uh, you know, what I appreciate about what you've done here recently, Eric, is that you've made yourself vulnerable. And that's a difficult thing to do as well. And that's kind of going back to the earlier discussion that we had about, you know, it's it is okay to not be okay. When you put yourself out there in that way and you expose yourself, then that means you also become immediately under the spotlight. So there are going to be those people that's going to be measuring your story, what you did, how you're reacting to it, what kind of advice you're giving and all those types of things without understanding and being compassionate towards you taking the time and being vulnerable to come forward and say, hey, listen, I experienced this not because you're wanting the badge of honor, but because you're really, truly wanting to help other people. And I, I appreciate that and applaud that, by the way. Well, I appreciate it, Robert. And I, the reason why I've stepped out to talk to people about it is because when I even started this whole in the recovery process, I was like, there's got to be other people like me. I, I guarantee there are, because I was like, I know that the, I had a lot of guys that were deploying almost as much, if not more at times than I was. And I knew that there were other guys that were struggling. Cause I mean, I remember I had a, a buddy of mine during one of my trips that I would have to help put him to bed because he would become a little bit rambunctious if for lack of better words. And, you know, that I just was like, holy cow, you know, he, he's, he's struggling. And at that point in time, I, I think I was barely 27. So still fairly young and just, I, I had no idea. I didn't have the tools really at hand, or at least I didn't think I had the tools at hand to really help this guy. And again, you know, we all have these egos and we all have this like alpha male mentality in regards to like these types of situations. But we have to be willing to drop the ego for a little bit and that understand that you can still be an alpha male and deal with, you know, mental wellness and emotions, because trust me, it still isn't easy. I still struggle with it. I mean, my, my kids see it as far as like, you know, I, I don't always know how, especially for my daughters, I don't always know like how to compute and understand like what their emotions are, because I mean, the, this is my first time dealing with teenage girls, you know, outside of my experience in being in high school. And then, and especially, you know, now being a parent for them is, is totally, you know, I'm drinking from the fire hose in so many levels, but I mean, I just try to make the best of it and listen to them as best I possibly can. And I, I'm, I have no doubt that I, I struggle with giving proper advice because it's, you know, coming almost from a male perspective uh, in every time that I even though I try to put myself in their shoes. And I, I just, you know, I think that it's it's kind of helped me to understand people in general more as well, too, and appreciate, you know, what life is and not really so like I to avoid complaining, because I think the biggest thing that we see, though, is that a lot of guys and gals complain about, like, you know, the VA and all these other things. And instead of, like, just complaining, I, I finally took accountability for the actions that I had and figured out a way to constructively portray those and communicate those to the people around me. And it took a lot of, like, hey, forgiveness personal forgiveness as well as you know asking for forgiveness from some people and some people just couldn't i think and I, and i understood that and i had to understand that because i was like you know i i, I 
you know, I committed the crime <laughs> due to the time, you know, I, I, I fractured those relationships. And so I had to be understanding and, you know, eventually I'm sure those people will come around because, you know, I know that I held garages with certain people at points in time. I think we all do because it's human, but I think the biggest thing was learning how to let go of the garage of myself. I think for those who are listening that may be wondering um, if they're experiencing some of these same symptoms within themselves or a family member that may be seeing a loved one or a friend or something like that, that may be experiencing this uh, or, um, you know, it's something that at least if you bring awareness to it, that as you move forward, you know where to go in the event that it may happen to you or you witness it is so important. And so there's organizations out there that are designed to give that kind of counseling and to give assistance. And in many cases, you can do it with confidence. Uh, All Secure Foundation comes to mind. Eric, you have a buddy that has another foundation uh, or organization that's nonprofit around helping soldiers with this situation. Uh, maybe you mentioned that. Yeah, 22 until none. They've got a pretty good organization. And I mean, obviously, we are working on getting those numbers down because even one a day is still one too many as, as the cliche statement goes, but it's cliche because it's working and people are taking a true awareness to it. And I mean, and I think people forget that the veteran suicide thing encompasses guys that were even back in Vietnam era. I mean, those, those guys had a really, and those guys and gals had a really hard time coming back because people were like, just, brutal because i don't think that they understood what those people went through and we we see this evolution of mental maturity and emotional intellect and it's always going to be a process but at least people are doing things and that's i think another big step is understanding just taking a step makes a difference you know whether it's on the side of i'm gonna you know fix myself and you know admit my situation or i'm going to lend a hand to somebody that needs help because i've recognized that hey joe smith over there i i've seen him and he his constantly his demeanor is his head is down and his eyes are shallow and it's time that you know to learn what is going on for him and you know guide that person in the right direction and and that's always a fragile type of situation because you have to be aware of like how a person's going to react because you know a lot of people are like oh i'm afraid he's gonna snap or she's gonna snap at me you know what they may do so but if you are genuine and heartfelt it more often than not will permeate through them and they'll they'll be able to understand and it is again it's about making those steps to help one of the uh, organizations in the UK, and Scott, you may mention another one that comes to mind is Rock to Recovery. Uh, we've worked with them in the past and Team Fortitude and uh, Rock to Recovery is, uh, really works to inspire the fight against stress in their armed forces over in the UK and veterans and their families. And it's one of the organizations. And Scott, I don't know if you have another one that comes to mind. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's Rock to Recovery is a great one. And my personal preference are the smaller charities but I'm, I'm not going to list them because we could do two hours worth of shows going through names and names. And <laughs> if, if you don't know at least 10 different PTSD or mental health charities, military charities, you've been living in a cave for the last 
12 months you know and it i i, I gotta go back to what we were saying earlier you know if if you think you need to speak to somebody you just gotta reach out and do it and eric you raised another great point just now about strength you know and people are talking about or thinking potentially that i've got to be strong and get on with this and logically if you think about it burying it inside is the weakest thing you can do because you're not admitting it you're not facing up to it and you're not willing to put the hard work in to to fix the problem and it takes a stronger person to admit that there's a problem and seek out a solution to that problem than the person who just buries it inside and just lets it compound and eat away at them you know and for people who think they're being strong by by burying it you're not you're being foolish almost you've got to talk about it you've got to get the problem out there you've got to admit it to yourself being the first step to doing any of those things you know and any of the charities in the uk in the us in australia wherever you are the world is a small place now online you can talk to anybody anywhere at any time of day whether it be via the internet through there's text messaging services if you don't feel you can physically speak to somebody over the phone there's services now where you can text back and forth with a counselor you can have a a keyboard type message it doesn't matter but it's the step of having interaction with somebody other than yourself because we've all probably sat in a room at night having the debate in our head, there's something wrong with you, no, there's not, I'm perfectly fine, I can get on with it and just forget about it and move on. You know, if, if you're having those conversations with yourself, you need to be having them with somebody else, not yourself, because like we said earlier, the problem is within you and, you know, a car can't fix itself. It needs a mechanic to do it. You need to get that ball rolling and, and that cog turning or whatever it may be to get somebody else involved that's able to fix the problem and and just get it dealt with. I mean, if you're starting to feel uh, or if you see other loved ones or friends or something starting to feel sad, anxious or empty, hopeless or pessimistic, guilty, worthless, not enjoying things that they used to enjoy, trouble with concentration or not sleeping right and appetites are changing and restless and anger and irritable or something like that or even worse thoughts of suicide or death and they've expressed it in certain ways they're reaching out Uh, these individuals or yourself you're actually reaching out trying to find that kind of help and if you've been experiencing it for a period of at least a week or two uh, or beyond then that's the time that you really need to start reaching out or helping somebody if you see those types of symptoms we we do a lot of good here with mentors for military to show and display that this our community is an outreach to everyone. I, I think about the youth of America, obviously, as well, too. Having dealt with cadets and being in the college setting, I saw like the amount of issues with, with depression because you're, you're trying to figure out how to fit in. You're trying to figure out how to, quote, unquote, adult. And then you're also trying to figure out how, how you can have some fun, too. Because so, some people, that's the first time that they've really been out on their own. And so on top of that, you know, you've got the social media stuff where everybody looks like they're just living this great life and in and, and their post whether it be on Instagram or Facebook and all these other things. And then at the same time, people can use those to shame one another as well, too, which has been, you know, the cyberbullying as it's become. So there there are a lot of resources for our youth as well out there. And I, and I would take it even a step further. If you're a parent, 
take some notification and, and, and you know, take some action in, in talking with your kids about s- these things. I know that I've done stuff with my daughters because, and, and trying to do so in a roundabout fashion without really, you know, hitting it right on the hammer because sometimes that can be odd for kids and it can make them shut down. But I, I you know, I try to be involved with like the discussions. My, my wife and I, we know we, we check on them as far as like, Hey, how are you doing types of scenarios? And, and I try to, you know, do like little dates or whatever, whether it be to go on a walk or go, you know, have some ice cream and discuss some stuff and just kind of get into the psyche of those things. And, and, and this stuff works for people because we're at the end of the day, we all want some friendship of some sort or just, you know, to be noticed. And those things at times are that little butterfly effect that will cause the ripple of goodness to get this ball rolling for those that are struggling. You'd look at the uh, mass shootings and those types of things here in America. I mean, instead of focusing on the obvious, let's focus on the things that we haven't been paying attention to, like the kids who are in isolation, those who are not speaking out, um, those who are huddled in the corner and don't seem to have connection with friends or uh, those types of things. Reach out and, and try to to find out what's going on within their lives, maybe have a conversation and communicate with them as an educator uh, or as a counselor about how or how they can help or aid or what kind of struggles back at home that they might be dealing with or in their personal life. That goes, like you're saying, a lot more in, uh, towards the positive side of this thing rather than focusing on the things that people are today. As peers as well, Robert, you know, is. Fucking hell, be a good human. If somebody's sat in the corner on their own, go and sit with them. It doesn't cost you anything to do and, you know, have a conversation with them. And I'm, I'll put money, I'll put my fucking mortgage on it that you've got things in common. And, you know, you, you'll strike up a conversation and you'll, you'll come around and it doesn't cost anything. I don't understand why people do that to other people. It's just fucking shit. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's just no time for bullying and I don't want to go off too much on the bullying aspect. But I mean, I've seen this uh, in person and on social media. And I'm like, how do we as even adults, it's still like this like high school mindset at times, have the audacity to attack another person for, you know, especially in this in this realm, you know, admitting that they've got a problem and then we're going to sit there and demean them because either they don't have enough of a problem or whatever the case may be. We don't know what is in their perception of like a problem and it's not ours to judge. And for anybody to take the time to do something like that is, it's still mind blowing that, that, that type of mentality exists. But again, thankfully there are some cool programs and some people out there taking a stand against that type of stuff and saying, Hey, let's, let's cut this out because we've realized that this has an effect on society in so many avenues. And again, it it does tie like bullying can tie into a PTSD type of situation. And, I think it's cool to see that when people do either professionally shut that stuff down and by professionally, I say, you know, they use words that make sense and aren't just demeaning back and continuing and prolonging the fight that it's actually like it's hushed. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And I mean, uh, what you're talking about is more about the cyberbullying and such. But do you think back even to uh, elementary school or when you were in uh, a younger kid, 
you'd have the bullies that would uh, do something and about 20 kids stand around would laugh and think it's cute. And so then everybody starts realizing if they have a similar problem as a kid being bullied, that that's normal, then I've got to I've got to make sure I don't speak out or I'm going to become that person. So they end up closing that in and not coming out with it because they don't want to be the victim then of what they just witnessed. And, and, it, and unfortunately, it ends up happening today behind the keyboard warriors that get out there and the people that can hide behind, uh, you know, names and pictures and stuff that may not be them or closed accounts and those types of things. And yet you still also have their followers or people that will see these types of things uh, within social media that will support it and put a little smiley happy faces or hit the like button and all that and actually perpetuate the, the situation. So what we're saying is is uh, get a grasp of reality, be the change, um, start going out and, and helping those individuals when you see those types of situations. Come to the rescue of those. Be a keyboard warrior on the positive side of this thing and let's stop some of this uh, idiotic uh, you know, stuff that we see out there within social media of attacking, especially within the veteran community of attacking one another. I don't understand that. Um, and, uh, you know, try to make things better all the way around because it's not going to help the situation at all. Yeah, I consistently feel that, you know, when I help somebody, I end up helping myself because I either learn something about my uh, mentality that I didn't realize before, or I learned something from another person's perception or perspective on life. And it provides that like, uh, like either still small voice or that aha moment that may set off me to be able to be like thankful for something that I really should have been thankful for that was all, there all along. And, and, and it, it's that whole pay it forward and butterfly effect of like gratefulness. Yeah. Once again, man, appreciate you uh, coming forward. And I think these videos and the posts that you've given here recently, especially that three part series has really hit home with a lot of folks. And um, you know, and, and again, if it hit home in a way that they're able now to be better equipped to help other people, um, that's just as important as the individuals that may have been suffering or having difficulty and, and you hit a nerve or struck something that was right at home with, with what they're feeling. Support some of these organizations that we've mentioned here within the podcast as well that helps uh, individuals that are dealing with depression, dealing with post-traumatic stress, uh, traumatic brain injury, or those types of things. Lend your support. Show the way that uh, you uh, you want to provide support to, to individuals or to organizations that may want to reach out and, and help uh, other people. Absolutely. And I think that this was a pretty good cast to have on this uh, hashtag Red Friday or Remember Everybody Deployed Friday. And obviously, we remember everybody deployed every day. But uh, I want to thank all those that are supporting those of our veterans and those of our veterans that are deployed. We, we do salute you and we appreciate all that you do.